everybody. This is Jamie. And this is Paul. And welcome back to another episode of Criminally Disturbed. Love to have you back and listening. Yes, thank you for coming back. And continuing to listen. And uh, do we have any business to discuss? Uh, Because I want to jump right into this one. No, no business right at this moment. I am, however, thinking of maybe setting up an Instagram account. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, not everybody's on Facebook, so anybody that wants to see pictures and stuff, I can also post them to Instagram, Um, but I will keep everybody posted on when that actually happens. All right. I'm not really uh, up to speed on the whole Instagram thing, and Mm -hmm. of course, I think I do have an account, but I, I, I think the only when the only time I ever go on there is when somebody like posts a video or something that takes you there you know i think that's the only reason i even got it so well i think a lot more people like use it to post pictures and stuff where Mm -hmm. where i guess facebook is more of a uh tell everybody my business type thingy yeah i don't hardly ever post on facebook so So, yeah i don't like people knowing my business so okay Mm -hmm. well um Look, we're going to jump right into this. Okay. And and there's a reason why I want to jump right into this. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> this is an old story mm-hmm. with new developments. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about, and, and some of you may have heard of this. Some of you may not have, okay? Uh, it's not this hugely, you know, populated right. uh story that's out there but have you and i'm talking to you baby Mm -hmm. have you ever heard of vincent alfred simmons i don't think so it's not ringing a bell okay good so this is going to be really new to you yes all right vincent alfred simmons uh he was born on february the 17th what Happy birthday? Yeah, because today's the 17th. Today is the 17th. Happy birthday, Vincent, uh, if you just happen to be listening. Um, He is an African-American man Mm -hmm. from Mansura, Louisiana. What? Which is, if I remember right, it's just south of Marksville. Okay. Okay? You know where Marksville is. Mm -hmm. It's a small town in Avoyles, Parish, mm-hmm. Louisiana. Uh, he is, and look, I, I'm going to probably say his mother's name wrong, and I apologize if I do, but uh, his mother's name is Alzika, and his father's name is James. He has uh, several siblings, five mm-hmm. uh, siblings, including younger sisters, Della and Olivia, and brother Philip Bear. Simmons. Bear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, there is a movie about Mr. Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's a documentary. Uh, actually, there's two documentaries. One, he uh, was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was in as just uh, somebody they were interviewing. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up going back and doing a, a documentary on him. Okay. Yeah. So, um, now... Look, Vincent, he did have somewhat of a past. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, as he was growing up, he did get in trouble with the law. Um, he his history included things like in 1968, uh, he uh, he he was arrested for car theft in 1969 and decent behavior with a juvenile. Mm -hmm. But look, I want to point out. Okay, he was born in 1952, so in 1969 he was, he was 17. 17. Yeah. And so it could have been a girlfriend that he was pulled over and had in the car, something like that. Right, because, I mean, know? if he's 17, right. like you just said, that could have easily have been a girlfriend. And, and very well could have been something malicious. We don't know. Right. Okay, we, we don't know we weren't there in 1969. So I'm not saying he did wrong. I'm not saying he didn't do wrong. Okay? Right. In, 19, in May of 1970, uh, he was arrested for burglary. In uh, October of 1970, um, all the arrest records said was CRIM period insane. I don't know what that means. Okay. I, I want to say criminally insane, but I... But would you be arrested for that? I don't know. Because I would think that maybe they would just put you in like a home. Or... I didn't find any background on that. Okay. In uh, February of 1972, uh, simple burglary. Uh, July of 1971, burglary. And um, August 1971, auto theft. Mm -hmm. No driver's license. Mm. So he was charged for a crime in Texas, but the charges were dismissed. However, the officials there told Simmons that Louisiana showed a hold for extradition. Okay. And they had roughly 60 days to, uh, to come and get him from mm -hmm. the state of Texas. They were notified. Okay. Know. They never showed up. Louisiana never showed up. Really? Yep. Okay. And so after that 60-day mark, he was free to go. Mm -hmm. um, his lawyer did tell Sim uh, Simmons that if he ever went back to Louisiana, though, to watch himself, because Louisiana never forgets and they would be after him. Mm. Okay. Years later, Simmons would forget, <gasps> just kind of, uh -huh. you know, not thinking and stuff. And, and he would return to Louisiana. Um, he was only in the state for about a week mm -hmm. when he was picked up. Wow. I didn't know Louisiana was or like on top of their game that much. Well, Or is it so just certain places? When, right. So when we get into this story uh -huh. about kind of what happened, and, and I want to disclose this. All right. I want to preface this story with the things that I will be reading and saying and mm -hmm. things are not our opinion. Mm -hmm. They are, I'm going to be reading from the court documents, from the actual testimony as they were recorded in the court and, um, and the statements that witnesses and, and the victims gave preliminarily. Okay. And then voluntarily, and then their testimony. So there's three statements that the victims gave. They gave an initial, they gave a voluntary, and then they gave their testimony. Okay. And there are some differences. I was going to say, the way you're pointing those three out is like, oh, there's going to be some bullshit. Yeah, so, um, and, and you're going to see, uh, I, I mean, when I start reading this, like I said, it is not our opinion. I'm mm -hmm. just reading what is in these documents. Okay. Okay. Um, and where I got this, these files from was a website 
and that website address is www.cases.iippi.org backslash vincent-alfred-simmons backslash. So I told you there was a documentary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I got uh, this, this bit, this story that I'm going to tell you is uh, what I got from the documentary. Okay. Now, a lot of what is said in the documentary kind of goes along with what the statements, the court documents and things, uh, you know, said. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read what was in the documentary, and I'm, then I'm going to, when I come to a part, I'm going to kind of point out the differences okay. in the statements, okay? So we need to be on our toes You listening. need to be kind of listening. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, first of all. Oh, goodness. A little sip here. Gotta wet your whistle. Oh, we need to turn that fridge down. This isn't quite cold enough. I want it, I like it cold enough to basically, uh, yeah, I can feel it in my teeth. I got you. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. Mm. So, this documentary uh, is actually a spinoff. Um, the documentary is called Shadows of Doubt. It was made in, um, I believe, 1990. And look, I may be wrong on this. I think it was 1998. Okay. I think. It was a spinoff of another documentary called The Farm, which was a documentary about the prison in Louisiana, Angola. Oh, hell. And, and you know, mm. there's a lot that people can write about and make shows about and stuff like this about Angola. That's I mean, a whole other planet of its oh, own. Absolutely. Yeah. Largest, at the time, largest prison, and probably to this day, I'm not sure, but uh, at the time of the documentary, it was the largest prison in the United States with over 5,000 inmates. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that big. It's, it's that big. Mm. So now at Angola, as you probably already know, they do labor. They do hard labor. Right. They work the fields. They work, you know, um, kind of like the old Mississippi type. Yeah. And then uh, West Texas type prisons and things. They sentence you to Angola and you're going to be working. Hard. Right. So the documentary called Shadows of Doubt, uh, which was a documentary about Vincent Simmons, um, it starts off with at this time, he is having a parole hearing. Okay. Okay. Parole hearing was, uh, in my opinion, was completely biased from the beginning. Mm. It was. Okay. He, they kind of, they, they interviewed the victims. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and as soon as the victims left the room and before Vincent came into the room, they, had, mean, already they, had, they, they had their mind made up. They forgot that the cameras were even there. <gasps> and they what? were talking amongst themselves. Go watch the... Y'all need to watch this documentary. Oh. It is insane. Wow. So Vincent comes in and, and they said... Uh, the, I think the first question that they asked him was, um, so you did this? And, and he says, uh, no, sir. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm innocent, you know, and he's proclaimed his innocence all through this. Okay, mm -hmm. um, and and they said, 
but you you played you pled guilty and and he said no sir I pled not guilty mm. they see they're they're trying to get him right all right well it's not working uh, but at this parole hearing um, this is so sad he was trying to present new evidence that mm -hmm. he had found on his case okay um, now let me go to that okay okay so that takes me back to the beginning 1977 mm -hmm. May of 1977 okay so that takes us back to the beginning May of 1977 we are gonna talk about Keith Laborde and his twin cousins uh, Sharon and Karen Sanders okay now Keith is 18 at the time okay but uh, his cousins his twin cousins Sharon and Karen are both 14 okay Keith is married his wife is pregnant mm -hmm. and uh, is literally due in a couple of months and uh, she happens to be a diabetic and she's in the hospital oh in and out like a couple of weeks at a time right. you know she has to continue to continuously go into the hospital sad very sad right heart goes out to her being diabetic uh, you know I have it runs rampant through my family so my heart goes out to her um, and and he knows that she's uh, supposed to be coming home the next day and he goes to his grandparents house where Sharon and Karen are actually staying mm -hmm. with her grandparents and uh, he asked them if they could come and help him kind of straighten the house up right uh, clean up and help mow the grass and just do some things around the house and get it cleaned up ready for her to go this was about 6 6 p.m. okay so they agree they go with him he uh, they they get into his 1968 Chevrolet Malibu mm -hmm. uh, it is blue with a white top uh, I don't think it's uh, I'm pretty sure it's not a convertible nobody ever said it was a convertible so and they go uh, to his house and they do the cleaning and, and all this so they get done around us uh, right at 8:30 to 9 somewhere in that area 8:45. we're gonna call it that okay okay and he needs to take them back to his grandparents house they load back up into the car and Keith starts to think okay I gotta go I gotta go to work in the morning and then I got you know gotta go get her stuff so I better go ahead and get gas right so uh, they're traveling down in, in Marksville they're, they're traveling down Tunica which is the main strip down through town and uh, they go to a 7-eleven he pulls over to get gas notices uh, there's a a black man that is standing there near the 7-eleven sign mm -hmm. Keith says and the girls both say uh, that they when when he was pulling into the 7-Eleven, he did not come close to him. Okay. Uh, but he tells Karen to go in and pay. Uh, and remember, this is 77, uh, so they had self-service pumps then. Right. And, and you had to go in and pay cash for your gas and stuff like this. So he tells Karen to go in to pay for the gas, and he gets out, turns, and he sees the black man just standing there staring at him. Like, like, like he, he was done, angry at them. Had he done come over there to him, no. or was he still standing by the sign? No, he was still standing out there. Okay. Uh, Keith says it's around 10 to 15 feet away, something like that. And he gets out, and he turns, and he sees him, 
And uh, he says he's looking at him like it, like he's angry at him or something. And Keith walks to the back of the car, and and he says like kind of like what's up, you know? Oh God! Yeah. Okay. So now uh, the man says you, oh, and shit. he says what are you you know what are you talking about? Now Sharon is still in the car. Now uh-huh. let me say this: there's conflicting statements. Okay, one says uh, Keith says that she that Sharon was in the car. Mm-hmm. And he sent Karen into the store. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, in Karen's statement and in her testimony, she says that she was there for this entire conversation. So she wasn't in the car. Karen was the one that Keith said, uh, go pay for the gas. Sharon, he said, was still in the car. But okay. Karen is saying that she was there. Okay. Yes. I Karen think their said, names are... Karen in her, in her testimony said that she heard the entire conversation. Okay. So she was not in the store. She was At out there. At this point, no. Okay. However, Sharon's testimony says that she was standing... She got out of the car with Keith. Oh, okay. And she was standing there with him. hmm So, Keith then walks towards the man. <sighs> Really? Conflicting statements. Some say that he walked part of the way and the man walked part of the way and they met kind of in the middle. Right. It, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. But uh, anyway, they walk towards each other. Mm-hmm. It was at this time in Karen's testimony that she says she walked out of the store and walked to where they were, mm-hmm. away from the car. So... The conversation went like this. The black man says, you almost hit me with your car. And Keith says, no, I didn't. You were over there. We were over here. Here's the pumps. There's the sign. I didn't almost hit you. And he just kept, they kept kind of back and forth. And Keith says, look, what? You want to fight? Oh, good God. He says, I really don't feel like fighting, but I will. Mm -hmm. You know, so what you want to do the black man says, I don't fight, I shoot. Oh, okay. And so, now. That escalated quickly. No weapons have been brandished or anything like this. Mm-hmm. Right? As quickly as it escalated, it de-escalated because the man stuck out his hand to shake Keith's hand. Okay. Keith shook his hand. And then they just were like talking like they were buddies. They walked back towards the car and walked towards the pump. Mm-hmm. Man's with right there with Keith. The girls are actually on the other side of the car, uh-huh. and they're like standing towards the back, and they're kind of listening and stuff like this. At some point, Keith asks the man his name. Now, in all three of the initial statements, none of them could say the man's name. Mm, okay. And actually, one statement said. We didn't hear Keith ask for his name, and we did not he- hear him ask for Keith's name. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously, initial statement is before the cops, like actually put like little things, tidbits in their ears, and all that before. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. So they said that, uh, and, and the cops at this point asked, "Okay, what was he wearing?" Um, they, they all were kind of the same, I guess. Uh, he was wearing uh, maroon pants, a silk shirt, 
they were kind of fuzzy on the color of the shirt, but I think a couple of them did say that the sleeves were cut off of the shirt, and uh, you know that, that's that was pretty consistent, mm -hmm. I guess. Sharon said that she didn't see his shoes, but the other two said that he was wearing boots, uh, possibly zip up. Pimp. Yeah. Pimp. Yeah. The, they said that the shirt, it was silk, and it looked like a suit shirt oh, with the sleeves shit. cut off. So I'm thinking pimp. Oh, pimp. You know, I'm like, oh, man, this dude's got style. That's this right. is 77. Heck yeah. And then boots they're talking about, they probably platforms. Probably. You know? So anyway. And I bet they were shining. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they said he was wearing a ring, and he had a necklace on, gold oh, chain. definitely And he pimp. had a cross on his gold chain. So now. As they were describing, I want to kind of say that in this time, in the 60s, in the 70s, there were parts of the state of Louisiana that were behind the times. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alexandria and that area down there, uh, I mean, of course, it's old Louisiana, and, and, and they were still kind of separated and still kind of had the plantation yeah. mentality well, yeah they they there was somebody that there was a there was a woman that was interviewed in the in the documentary and she was telling about well we had the white side and we had the black side oh. and blah negro side is what she said and the negros they pretty much stated uh, you know and look to me i'm sorry but that's disgusting right you know i mean yes we grew up you and i we grew up uh, I was born in the 70s, mm -hmm. you know, we grew up in the 80s, and so it was kind of on the downslope of that. Right. Of course, we know that racism is still out there. Oh, yeah. Okay? We have our own form of racism that we experience being Native American. Right. You know, and African Americans or black Americans, they have their form of racism. Right. So forth and so on. Right. We don't know how they feel, and we don't pretend to. Right. So, I'm not going to sit here and say that I understand what black folks go through. Right. Because I don't. So, uh, we feel we have a different type of racism that we deal with. So, anyway. Which none of it is good. No. It's, I mean, it's all bullshit. It is bullshit. Right. That we, here we are, 2022, and still are dealing with racism. Right. And now it's getting more and more into politics, but I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, let's not go into politics. Right, yeah. So... At some point, he asks, hey, can I get in your ride? Or, mm -hmm. as Sharon says it, in your rod, like hot rod, you know. Ah, um, okay. He, Keith says, he asks if he can get in the car. Uh, Karen says about the same thing. Can I get in your car? They sat and they talked because mm -hmm. he said yes. And then the man asks, hey, do y'all want to go to a party? And, and and Keith says, no, I've got to get them back to my grandparents' house because they're, be, they're going to be worried, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he says, well, you know, can you can you give me a ride home? Mm -hmm. and, and he says, sure. It, and look, 1977, and Keith is right. If somebody asks you for a ride, of course, you know, you're going to I mean, apply. you get it. Yeah. I mean, they've been having this conversation now for probably 10, 20 minutes. Right. And so, you know, no harm, no foul, right? Right. Okay. I mean, there was a totally different time than today. That's right. Yeah. I mean, people hitchhiked all the time oh, back yeah. then. Absolutely. You can't do it now. Mm -mm. So, 
they leave and they're going down the road and, and the man is telling them, you know, turn here, turn mm-hmm. there. And, and I actually did not get on Google Maps and I kind of followed their path. And it's, it's you know, I kind of followed it. Mm-hmm. They end up turning on uh, and they're talking. They're having a conversation. Now, Keith is driving. Now, this is a, a Chevy Malibu, 68 Chevy Malibu, which, by the way, is a beautiful car. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen is in the middle of the front seat. And Sharon is in the passenger seat of the front seat. Now, when they were all getting into the car, the man mm-hmm. asked Sharon, because she was the last one to get in the car, hey, you want to get back in the back seat with me? And she said, uh, no, I'm going to sit up front right. with them. Which, you know, I mean, because I mean, he's I, still she, a stranger. She's 14. Right, and he's still know? a stranger. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I would have, if I was the stranger, I don't think I would have read too much into that. Right. So anyway, so they're driving. Uh, he was in the back seat, so they mm-hmm. were driving and stuff. And um, now, some more conflicting statements here. At some point, uh, Keith says in his initial statement that the man asked, "Hey, do y'all smoke weed?" And uh, he replied, "Yeah, hey, sometimes." Mm-hmm. Sharon's statement, "Yeah, she never mentioned that." And when she was asked, she said, "No." So weed was never mentioned. It was never to her. mentioned. Okay. All right. Karen corroborated Keith's statement in her testimony, and said, "Yes, we had some, and it was just like a couple of roaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I handed it to him. He tried to put it together, empty the cigarette out, and tried to put it in the cigarette and roll it up. It really wasn't enough to smoke. Right. But he did. They did try. You know." Um, but it ended up, she doesn't know what happened to it. It could have got thrown out. It could have got thrown on the floor. Nobody knows what happened to it. So they end up turning down this uh, little California road, which is really, I looked at it, and even today, there's really not anything on it. Mm-hmm. There's a waterway, a small uh, small canal that mm-hmm. runs down the, it kind of follows it, and that, that becomes important too. So they get down through there, and uh, the man as it's stated by the victims, starts kind of getting aggressive and stuff with how he's talking to him. And he tells Keith to pull over, pull over here, pull over here. And he kind of pulls off into like a, maybe a small driveway or a dirt road, just pulls right off the road. And uh, he's really aggressive at this point. And all of them pretty much say that. Mm -hmm. And it was at this point that Keith started getting a little bit suspicious and he starts getting scared. Right. And the girls are starting to get really scared, too. And and basically, he starts saying, all right, Keith, I need you to keep driving down this road a little bit, and uh, let's find another place or something like that. And Keith's like, what's going on? Just leave us alone, you know, because obviously they know now he doesn't live out here. There's nothing out here. They know the road, you know. So... You know, Keith's trying to calm the girls down right. and stuff. And, and, and so what he does is he, he kind of turns around and looks because the man's on the passenger side of the back seat, so he can just turn and kind of look. Now, there's no light. It's pitch black. This is nighttime. So what Keith does, it's kind of smart. He actually opens his door. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it turns the dome light on. Right. Okay? So once he turns the dome light on, he sees the man reach behind him, and he starts to kind of pull... What Keith said, he saw like a handle of a gun. Oh, right. Okay. So that's when Keith just kind of turned. He kind of knew at that point the man had a gun, 
So this is where in the in the documentary it says once parked, the man pulled out the gun and told Keith to get out of the vehicle. Now, I want to say this. Yes, I've been telling you about conflicting stories. This is where it gets really dangerous for the victims because their stories really start to contradict each other. Okay. okay? And I'm talking about testimony. So Keith says that it was it was at this time that the man told him to get out of the car, shut the car off mm-hmm. and get out and 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 come around to the back side of the car. And and it was at that time when he reached the back side of the car that he handed the keys to the man. Mm-hmm. Okay? The other testimony from Sharon and Karen both said that he handed the keys to him while he was still in the car. Okay. Okay. Now, that's not that big a deal, right? No, because, I mean, that could easily be said. Easily be said that maybe he was just nervous or mm-hmm. just in the moment and just And all forgot. of this, uh-huh. all of this very well could be just that. But we... We don't know. We don't know. You're finna tell us. No, I'm just I'm just telling you what what's in these documents. Right. You're gonna tell us what's in the documents and we're gonna form our own opinion. You form your own opinion. Okay. Okay. So regardless, the man gets the keys. Keith is at the back of the vehicle. The man opens up the trunk. Of course, this is a sixty eight Chevrolet uh, Malibu, so you got to stick the key in the trunk. They don't have a button in the front, right? <laughs> so you got to stick the key in the trunk and pop it. Yeah. So it was at this time that Sharon is asked, and she's in the front seat. Mm-hmm. The man had told Karen mm-hmm. when he got out, get in the back seat. Okay. Okay. So Karen is now in the back seat. Sharon's in the front seat, mm-hmm. and and Keith is at the back of the vehicle. The man opens up the trunk. In court, Sharon is asked, so you're in the front seat, right? And she says, yes. And uh, she, he said, uh, the the, uh, the attorney says, and um, the trunk is open? And she says, yes. And he says, um, so how did, how did Keith get in the back? How did he lay? And she said, well, he laid across like this. But wait a minute. If the trunk is open... How would she be able to see out the back window to see how he laid? Okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. Okay. Again, we weren't there. Right. This very well could have happened. Look, I'm not going to say either way. Okay? He put uh, Keith in the trunk. Okay. Shut the trunk Mm -hmm. and locked it. He went around to to the other side of the car. And at this point, Karen, who's in the back seat, decides she's going to try to run. Oh, okay. So she flings the door open and and starts to try to get out. Mm -hmm. And the man says, oh, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. You know, if you try to run before you get two steps, I will shoot you. Mm, Okay. So she stops. Okay. And he, he had, at this point, told the girls, start taking your clothes off. Oh. Well... Sharon was in the front seat. She had a button-up shirt on, uh-huh. and she had it unbuttoned, and that was about as far as she got. Karen wasn't going to take her clothes off, but she was going to try to run. So he says, oh, I can see this one's going to try to give, give me some trouble. So he takes her and puts her in the trunk. Okay. Okay. Now, he shuts the trunk. 
And uh, at this point, they're uh, they're all asked what was in the trunk with y'all. Okay, mm-hmm. Keith, I mean everybody pretty much says the same thing. There was a tire that was not on a rim, which, by the way, they really kind of dug into. Okay, you had a spare. Well, I had a spare. Yeah, but it wasn't on a rim. It was just a tire. Okay. And it didn't fit my car anyway. It was my grandfather's. So, anyway, there was a tire. There was a jack. There was a five-gallon Army-type gas can. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a tire tool, a uh, uh, lug wrench. All right. But they were both in the trunk yeah. with all that? With all that, yep. Okay. Hold on. It gets better. So, he then tells Sharon to continue to take her clothes off, okay? And, and look, she is terrified. Well, yeah. Okay. Karen is screaming from the trunk, and, mm-hmm. and he's he's hollering, the man's hollering her, you know, be quiet, blah, 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 you know, and all this. And he, he, I think at one point they said that he he slapped the trunk or he hit the trunk, something like this. Sharon takes her clothes off. He tells her to get into the back seat and lay down across the back seat. And he positioned her legs to where one was up on the rear dash, up against the rear windshield. Mm-hmm. One was up uh, across the front seat. And he begins, uh, he, he does not get undressed. He just pulls his himself out of his zipper. Mm-hmm. And he begins to attempt to rape her. Okay. Now, he begins to get very frustrated because it won't go in. Oh, okay. Now, it won't go in. And uh, she was asked by the attorneys, how long did this go on? And and she said uh, it was roughly 30 minutes. Whoa. Okay. But he never penetrated her. But when she was asked if he, uh, this is strictly from the testimony documents from the court reporter mm-hmm. or, or court uh, transcriber, did he come inside of you? And she said, yes, he did. But... He didn't make it in, so... They start saying that he was partially in. Okay. And he was able to ejaculate inside of her. Now, again, I'm not saying either way. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying that's what's in the documents. Okay. All right. So then he takes her, he lets her get dressed, he takes her back to the trunk, and he puts her in the trunk. Okay. All right. Then he drives. He takes the car and they drive and he goes somewhere else and he stops and he goes and he takes Karen Mm -hmm. out. Again, conflicting story. They say he put Sharon in the car and then takes Karen out. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm going to stick with he drove he parked because they were all in the trunk. They were fighting for air. Right. They said that he was driving down dirt and gravel roads, and there was dust coming into the to, to the trunk, and it was really hard to breathe and, and all this, and he was driving very erratic. But he uh, he does pull over, and he does get out, and he takes Karen out of the trunk, shuts the trunk, and, and that's when he tells Karen to take her clothes off and... He does the same thing 
lays her across the back seat, puts her legs up, and begins to rape her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, once he's done, and, and she's asked, did he ejaculate inside of you? And she says, yes, he mm-hmm. did. Now, he was able to get in her because she was not a virgin. Oh, yeah, okay. That didn't come out until court. Oh, okay. Now, he let her get dressed, but he said, you're going to ride up front with me, and he drove some more, and he stops again, and he says to her, per her account, have you ever done it from behind in the back? And she said, uh, no, and he says, well, you are now. Mm-hmm. Take your clothes off. So they're in the front seat this time, mm-hmm. and uh, she's on all fours. She's got her hands on the passenger side door, holding on to it, mm-hmm. and he rapes her anally. She is telling him, it hurts. Stop, please. It hurts. And uh, so I'm going to read this directly from the document, okay? Okay. So there's a line of questioning mm-hmm. from the prosecution. This is their witness. This mm-hmm. is a victim. Prosecution is interviewing their witness or their victim. And this is this is the line of questioning. Now, okay. I want you to really pay attention to what I'm about to read to you, okay? And then I'm going to get to where there's an interruption. And what happened then? He put the tank back in the car. So she's talking about, what she's talking about here is when he opened the trunk up, he was getting the gas can out and, and stuff, and, and he was seeing, you know, uh, they don't really know what he was trying to do, but he ended up getting the tire tool out too, the lug wrench and mm-hmm. stuff. And it was at this time that he actually, uh, Keith was testifying, he actually punctured the gas tank. Now, I'm probably thinking, or you all are probably thinking, the same thing that I was, okay, if he punctured the gas tank, they ran out of gas, right? No. He punctured it close to the top of the gas tank. And I'm not really sure why he was doing this, but that's what he did. Okay, so that's what she's discussing here. He put the tank back in the car and everything, and he closed the trunk again, and dot, dot, dot. Question. Who was in the trunk, if anybody, when he closed it that time? She says, Sharon and Keith. Now, this is Karen saying this. Sharon and Keith. He made me ride with him, the attorney. All right, can you, did you ride with him? She says, yes, ma'am. And what, why did you ride with him? Because I was scared. Why were you afraid? Because I saw the gun and the knife, which, by the way, he did brandish the knife at that point, put it to her neck mm-hmm. and says, have you ever been, you know, cut in the neck? She said, no, he didn't cut her. All right. Because I saw the gun and the knife and he had put Sharon and Keith in the trunk and I was scared. All right. What happened then, Karen? The car moved. Hold on. No, ma'am. Not at that point. Then. All right. When we got in the car. Yes, ma'am. I'm not sure about that. But I know at that point, he had asked me if I had dot, dot, dot. You can collect your thoughts, Karen. Now, 
when when the attorney says you can collect your thoughts, Karen, I can only imagine that Karen is probably sobbing on the stand. Probably. She's probably hysterical, trying to recount all this stuff. And so, you know, she's probably having a hard time getting this out. She's probably not saying this as fast probably. as I am. Right. Okay, so that she's, okay, Karen, you can probably get your, you know. All right. You can collect your thoughts, Karen. If you want to try to calm down a little bit, all right. Did you off and stop again? Yes, ma'am, I believe so. I'm not too sure about the stops right now, but I know that dot, dot, dot. What? Okay, go ahead. That we had stopped, and then he asked me if I have ever done it on my knees. The attorney. Did you know what he was talking about when he asked you, if you had ever done it on your knees. She says, no, ma'am, not at first. Mm -hmm. The attorney asks, and what did you tell him? And Karen replies, no. And what did he tell you? He says, well, you are now. All right. And then what happened? And so we were on the front seat this time, and he made me... Mm, kind of stops. Did he make you get undressed again? Did he make you get undressed again? Ah, so she asked that twice. Yeah, I back think there might back. have been a pause, but yes. And then Karen replied, yes, ma'am. And the attorney says, and what position did you get in this time, Karen? Karen says, he made me get on my knees on the front seat. Were you facing any of the car doors? Yes, ma'am. I was leaning on the passenger door, kind of like this, holding on to the door. When you were in this position, did his penis enter your rectum? Yes, ma'am. And was it painful? Really? Yes, ma'am. Did you scream? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> did you tell the defendant anything? I told him... It would hurt. Okay. And I told him that if he was going to do it, to do it in the front, because it hurt too much in the back. And did he do it from the front, in the front then? Yes, ma'am. But it hurt too much in the back. So I told him if he was going to do it, to do it in the front. I mean, in the back, because it hurt too much in the front. Oh. Now, she just flipped her story. Right. Okay. All right. So it hurt too much in the front, and you asked him if he had to do it again to do it in the back? What did he tell you at that time, Karen? He told me he'd do it the way that he wanted to do it. Hmm. Okay. And how did he want to do it? What did he do then? He made me get on my knees and he did it through the rectum. Did he climax in your rectum? Really? Yes, ma'am. All right. After that, Karen, was that painful to you? What? Yes, ma'am. And after that, what did you do? After that, he made me sit on the side of him. And did you sit on the side of him? Yes, ma'am. Why? Because I was scared. 
Did he ask anything else of you, Karen? Yes, ma'am. What did he ask you? Did he ask you whether or not you had sucked? Is that the... the, uh, the yes, uh, yes. The attorney said, what did he ask you? Did he ask you whether or not you had <gasps> sucked, Karen? That's leading. Is that his exact words? What? Karen says, yes, ma'am. No. And what was your reply to him? No. And what did he tell you when you said that? That I was now. And what did he do to himself? Was he dressed? Was he or, or undressed? He was dressed. He just took it out of his pants. Did he take his penis out of his pants? Yes, ma'am. And what did he do with your head? Some of these questions did not need to be asked. Where's the defense? Good point. Why isn't somebody yelling Hold objection? Hold on. Okay. He kept making me do my head up and down like that, the attorney. And was his penis in your mouth at that time when he was motioning your head up and down? Yes, ma'am. And was his penis lodged in your throat? What? Yes, ma'am. Were you gagging? What the fuck? Yes, ma'am. Was it difficult for you to breathe? Oh, my God. Yes, ma'am. Were you asking him to stop? Objection, Your Honor. It's leading. Finally. From the defense. She's leading the witness. This is the uh, prosecutor saying, Your Honor, it's obvious because the child's extremely upset. You can hardly testify. And I think that leading is appropriate at this time. Bullshit. She's a young child. The court, the judge, I understand, but restrict the leading. You can phrase the question some other way. Now, I want to point out the jury now, which, by the way, is 11 white men and one black woman. Oh, no. You already know that's not going to be good. Yeah. So, but. you're right with what you said. The jury has already heard all yes, of that. Yes, they've already heard all that. And Everything. they're not going to take it out of their brain no. that they heard that. But no. what really just, really just pisses me off about that, okay, obviously something did happen to this girl. Oh, yeah. Who did it? We don't know because no. she said, she. they all said they didn't, they don't know the name. Okay. So you're going to victimize her again by asking her these stupid questions that really don't amount to nothing? Well, they're they're trying to point to the jury what the victim went through, but okay. if you have to lead your witness this much, but then again, she's a child. Mm -hmm. Why are you asking her questions like that? I mean, obviously, they needed to point out that she did have to, you know, orally, whatever, copulate. What's what's the word? I'm trying to. Think of... Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, so it's obvious that she had to suck his dick, okay? Yeah. I was trying to be nice about it. So, okay, say that. Don't sit there and say, oh, was it lodged in your throat? Oh, could you breathe? Oh, blah, 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 blah. 
all of the people on the jurors panel, I'm sure, have all had sex before, so they know what happens when you suck a dick. Eleven men. Okay, they know what happens when a woman sucks a dick. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I just have issues I know. with that. I understand. She's 14. I understand. Okay. I'm just saying. Where was the defense when this line of questioning started? That motherfucker was probably over there picking his fucking teeth or something. I don't know what the hell was going on there. Obviously, he was not in it. That, and, and look, I'm going to tell you something. There is so much leading with yeah. all three of the victims that, and, and, and he let it go, and he let it go, and he let it go, and then he would, oh, well, you know, Maybe I need to object now. You know, but Whatever. by that time, the jury's the already damage heard was it. done. It's done. It's done. So, this was. Uh, this is a fucking shit show. Yeah, it is. So, I told you, and you just mentioned it, right? Mm hmm. Nobody could say in their initial statements mm -hmm. that they knew a name. Right. But. Every, all three of them, in their testimony in court, named him. Simmons. Of course they did, because the fucking cops had done gave them a name by then. During the interview with the cops, way before trial, this happened uh, May 9th. Police did not find out about this until two weeks after. What? Yeah, the girls were keeping it, well, all three of them were keeping it silent they did not they just wanted to get over it well i mean you know they just wanted to get over it it well, was traumatic it was traumatic and they just wanted to kind of get on with their life and all the stuff like this i get it and so yeah i do too a lot of great victims don't come forward right you know because it's traumatic for them well one of the girls actually confided in a relative and her aunt i believe and told her mm -hmm. and uh that's when all of this blew up. That was May, I think, 22nd. Mm -hmm. And so on May 23rd, they arrested Vincent Alfred Simmons. Because okay. the police, now, again, in their initial statements, they didn't, they give, didn't a give a name. Right. So if, they, the, if the police didn't have a name to go by, how did they come to Vincent Simmons? How did they get One to One of the deputies him? says, oh, I, you described him? Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Oh, my God. So, they pick up. First of all, how many people dress like a pimp in those days? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So, they pick up. I'm going back to, to the May. You know, this trial's going on in July mm -hmm. and stuff. That's how fast. I was supposed to say, damn, that was quick. It was quick. Uh-huh. All right. So, they went and they picked up Vincent. All okay. Right? They bring him in and they get him ready for a lineup. They go up to uh, the jail and they pick up um, they pick up six more one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six more black men and one white guy for a lineup. Why do they throw the white guy in there? Because I'm sure. I have the, no idea. The girl said that <laughs> yeah. he was African American. Oh. They called him. I, I know, but I'm not fixing to say that. I'm not either. Right. But that's what they called him. Right. And uh, yeah. I mean, because we would be offended if that somebody would not called be us. Allowed in today's courts. Well, 
I, and I'm just saying we would be offended if somebody came up to us today and said, hey, you dirty engine or whatever. Well, yeah, I know. But, it, I mean, even in today's course, the the attorneys would say, oh, no, that's prejudicial. You cannot say that. Right. You know, so this is the photo. Uh, he is number four. He's in the middle. Okay. Okay. That's the photo. And I want you to look at that, and I want to tell our listeners, if you see it, <clears throat> He's the only one in handcuffs. He is the only one in handcuffs. Oh, my gosh. Now, the police claim that they took the handcuffs off of him, that this photo was taken at another time, but there you go. You know damn well they didn't. There you go. I'm not going to say they did. I'm not going to say they didn't. But he's the only one in this photo of eight men <sighs> in, in handcuffs. handcuffs. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. So it's kind of like marking. Oh, your definitely. Guy. And so they're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. They all were told to write down on a notepad the number of the man that assaulted them. And all three of them wrote number four, <sighs> who was Vincent the only Simmons. one in handcuffs. Yep. So I'm, and you know, I'm betting the guy that actually did it. I'm betting he had probably, after he did that, had probably left town by then. He yeah. was probably long gone. Yeah, he might have. So, testimony was read, was given, and all the stuff like this, and I'm just going to skip right to... How old was he when this picture was taken? That's a very interesting question. I mean, he was 25. Really? And all three of the, of the victims said that he was either 19 or 20. I, I mean... It's a grainy picture, but just looking at this, I mean, he really looks like he could be like 15. Yeah, he looks young. He looks young. So so they asked one of the witnesses, one of the victims, so how do you think he was? And, and they all pretty much said 19 or 20. And uh, one answered, he was either 19 or 20. Okay. The police responded with, oh, so he was in his 20s. Mm. Mm. They already knew. They already knew who they were going to get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to skip forward uh, to, okay, the judge is releasing the jury for to go into their deliberations, which, by the way. We already know ain't going to go good at all. And it did not last very long. How long did it last? In the documentary, there is an interview with the one woman juror who went back there with 11 white men. And you know she was outvoted. And it immediately, as soon as the door shut, all right, let's get this over with. Mm -hmm. I don't recall mm -hmm. how long, but I think it was less than an hour. Wow. Came back in and found him guilty on two counts. Now get this. He was arrested for aggravated rape okay. of a juvenile. Okay. Of juveniles. He was guilty on two counts of attempted aggravated rape. Okay, so to me, attempted isn't as bad as he actual. Was, yeah, he was sentenced to 50 years each count. What? Consecutively, 100 years in Angola. Wow. Yeah. And in Angola for that. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. Wow. I mean, and I'm not I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying when you think of Angola, you usually think of like, oh, this guy in Angola done murdered like 30 people or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So you may be asking yourself, were there any witnesses for the defense? Yes, there was. Every witness that came up for the defense, the prosecution dug into their background and discredited them for having a speeding ticket. Or disorderly conduct. Oh, my or, God. Yeah. I am serious. I mean, it, they would ask, have you ever been convicted of a crime? And they would be like, yeah, I mean, little things. And, you know, I mean, here and there and stuff like this. And Now, all of the witnesses pretty much said that Vincent Simmons was at a bar that night. Uh-huh. At around that time in a fight with a, a few other people at the bar that lasted about 45 minutes or so. Okay. You know, all of them said it. Even the owner of the bar went and testified. Wow. And all of them were discredited for having a speeding ticket or jaywalking or, you know, just some bullshit charges and stuff. And so that discredited that witness to the jury. Are you fucking kidding I'm me? I'm not kidding you. And almost all of his witnesses... We're black. Well, I mean, obviously, because at this time, I yeah. mean, it, like you said, they were still kind of of the the mentality yeah. of everybody is, is separated. So, yeah. obviously, that would be the only witnesses he had. But my thing is, okay, you they discredited somebody because they got a speeding ticket. How many fucking people have speeding tickets? Right. I mean, and I'm not going to fix it. I've never had one, but I'm not fixing to look at somebody. Oh, I got, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I got a good friend that gets a lot of speeding tickets. Oh, and shit. she's going to know I'm talking about her. But I don't look at her and be like, you fucking thug. Yeah, I know it, right? <laughs> God dang, you're just, you know, the bottom of society. Right. All right, so I'm going to go through a really quick timeline here, okay? So on uh, the 22nd of May, 1977, about 6 p.m., Sharon and Karen Sanders report to the sheriff's office for to give their, their account mm -hmm. of the black man that raped them on May the 9th, 1977. The following morning, at 8 a.m., May 23rd, the captain and uh, a lieutenant basically decided to arrest Mr. Vincent Simmons. That wasn't even long enough to investigate. And then again, I'm going to point out again, they didn't have a name. Right. So basically, that was, they knew, okay, I know who yeah. we could piss in to go pick up. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. At 8 a.m., they made the decision to arrest Vincent Simmons. At 9 a.m., they found him walking down the road. Mm. And uh, 9.30 10 I mean, because obviously he's not guilty of something, so therefore he doesn't need to be in hiding somewhere. Right. I mean, he's living yeah, he just, his he's life. Like walking down the road, you know. From 9.30 to 10 is when they, they have not interrogated him yet. Oh, shit. Uh, they put him in the ID room and they get him ready for a confession. They try to get a confession. Okay. Which, by the way, during this time, they say, okay, here you go. We want a confession. And he says, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, and he was right. like, what are we all Oh, yeah, yeah, we want to confess. He said, I'm not confessing to anything. Right. You know? So, the officers claim that it was at this time that he tries to reach for one of the officer's guns. Oh, whatever. And starts fighting. 
and he puts the gun in the officer's face and squeezes the trigger uh-huh. several times, and the gun doesn't go off. Okay. And so the other officer pulls his gun and shoots him. <gasps> what? In the chest. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, the accused spent the next few days in the hospital getting tended to uh, a gunshot. Oh, wow. Yeah. They wanted to kill him. They did. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. That's my opinion, too. So, anyway. Um, my thing is, is okay, so allegedly he grabbed an officer's gun and pulled the trigger or whatever. Why was the officer wearing a gun that was not loaded? Okay. Oh, it was loaded. That's what I'm saying. But he pulled the tr- trigger so twice. So, Vincent, Vincent and- says... That he was not going to confess. He said it was at this time one of the officers hit him. Mm-hmm. And he stood up to get ready to defend himself. And well, the yeah. officer pulled and shot him. Right. So that's Vincent's words. Right. I was just pointing out that the cop saying that he that Vincent grabbed a gun yeah. and pulled the trigger twice. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying I'm calling bullshit on that. Right. Yeah. So... All right, so Vincent is convicted. He's sentenced. He goes to Angola. Once he gets sent to Angola, obviously he files repeated motions to view the evidence in the case file. He wants to see the evidence that was in his case. So he wasn't shown the evidence? His defender? Hold on. Okay, sorry. There's evidence in the case that he wants to see. He wants to go through it himself. Well, yeah. Okay. Um. He would not get that evidence until 1993. And what year was this? 1977. Oh, my goodness. Okay. He was not given the evidence until 1993. Wow. It was at that time he starts going through the evidence. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was a shit ton of evidence that was never given to his defense attorney. (gasps) Oh. Now, the prosecution still to this day says that their files were available at any time to the defense. And it was the defense that never came and got the evidence. So, this evidence included, and it was game-changing. Okay. The medical examination of the girls, Mm -hmm. two weeks after this incident happened, by the way. Yeah... I would think that wouldn't be admissible because it's been two weeks later. Yeah. Another piece of evidence that was never heard by the jury was the girl's testimony to the sheriff about their alleged attacker. Mm -hmm. Their initial statements, Mm -hmm. which contradict their testimony. I encourage you guys to definitely uh, go take a look at this and in their initial statement where they said when they were asked to describe and they said his clothes and you know all black people look alike <gasps> oh <laughs> oh wow yeah okay yeah so let me talk about the medical examiner examinations okay I happen to have both of them right here same right here where they have to go Oh, they're right here. They're right in front of you. I happen to have both of them right here. All right. I'm going to start with Karen. 
Karen Sanders accompanied by Sheriff's Deputy Barbara. I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name, Miss Barbara. So, Barb. Uh, came to my office with her twin sister on May 24th, 1977 to be examined. She stated that she has been a resident of Marshfield for two months, which, by the way, her statement says three. She said that she was raped on May 9th, 1977 in a car. A person known as Vincent Simmons oh. pulled a gun on Keith Laborde, mm-hmm. her 18-year-old cousin, who, by the way, it was found out that he was actually 20. Oh, okay. Yeah. At 9 p.m. at the 7-Eleven store. It didn't happen, according to their statements. The gun wasn't pulled till they got on that road. Boom. Okay. He made them drive down the road known as Little California. He first put her and Keith in the trunk of the car while he raped Sharon. Mm-hmm. She stated that she first had intercourse nine months ago with Robert. I'm not going to say that man's name because he's not a part of this. Right. She said that it hurt and she bled the first time she had intercourse. Right. She did not bleed on May the 9th, 1977, but it hurt. She told me that they did not report the incident until two weeks later when they told her first cousin who told her aunt and uncle. Their mother and father are divorced and live in, I'm not going to say that. Mm -hmm. Father lives in, I'm not going to say that. Her last menstrual period was one week before the rape, and she has had no period since then. (gasps) Oh. Since. This was two weeks. Okay, okay. She states that the person known as Vincent Simmons Mm. made her have oral sex with him after the rape. The physical examination showed her breasts to be normal, and her development was normal for a 14-year-old female. There were no bruises on her body. The vaginal examination showed a discharge, which I diagnosed as being yeast and epithelial cells. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Epithelial cells? Epithelial? I don't know. A gram stain was done, and it was negative. A gram stain, I had to look this up. A gram stain is uh, something that uh, they do to look for uh, bacterial infections. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, A two-hour UCG test for pregnancy was done, and it was negative at this time. Wow, they had to wait for two hours back then for a pregnancy test? Wow. Okay. I was able to do a vaginal examination on Karen, and it was in the usual manner, that is, manually, and with a speculum. Mm-hmm. And that's it. No signs of rape. Right. At all. Well, I mean, for one thing, it's been two weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, even, and I'm not saying she wasn't. I'm not saying she wasn't either. But after two weeks, I mean, that's a, a, enough time to heal or like oh, yeah. there were any bruises and sure. stuff down there. Okay. Sharon's. Same kind of beginning. Okay. The person known as Vincent Simmons then drove them to St. Joseph Cemetery, which I'm not going to get into that. Let them out of the trunk. They drove him to Felix Street in Marksville, blah, blah, blah. Okay. 
Sharon stated that her last menstrual period ended the day she was raped. Her menses, mm-hmm. is that right? Her menses usually last five days. That means how long she her period lasts. Mm-hmm. And she has no pain with periods. Mm-hmm. She admits never having had intercourse before this. Okay. The physical examination showed that her breasts were normal and her development was normal for a 14-year-old female. There were no bruises on her body. The vaginal examination showed that the hymen was intact. Okay. And I was unable to insert one examination finger. She states that she really does not know if he put the penis in her vagina all the way. I was unable to complete the examination because of the hymen being intact. Intact. I was fixing to say, if he put it in all the way, she it she would not have been intact at all. He probably wouldn't have had to put it in all the way. He probably could have put it in halfway. The well, doctor's probably. not even going to go with a finger. Right. He's not going to go in. That's with a finger. Right. So uh, the the gram stain was uh, was made, and it was negative. And pregnancy test was found to be negative. Mm-hmm. Now, both of them said that he ejaculated inside of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. With a, a, a hymen intact, obviously she probably is not going to be able to get pregnant. But the other one, mm-hmm. without a hymen, mm-hmm. and not on her period. Because mm-hmm. she said her period, did that one say when her period had ended? Two weeks. Two weeks before? Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, so she should have been... I'm only stating what is in the documents. Right, but now my mind is like, oh, she should have been ovulating at that time. Mm. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. I'm still not saying that she wasn't, but I'm just... In I my think mind, that I'm something thinking, tragic has happened to these girls. Right. I can't for certain say that it's Vincent. I cannot say for sure. So that's all I'm going to say. Now, Vincent, like I said, he was at the parole board. He was actually trying. Uh, he did find all of this evidence. This, These examination documents were never presented in court. Mm. Never. The, test, the, the initial statements of the victims was never presented in court. Well, the medical exams, I don't know how those would have really helped them anyways. But their initial statements, uh, yeah, the fact that they didn't even know his name. I mean, come on now. But these, I mean, all I'm going to say is that Sharon's, it looks a little sus. How are you? With her hymen still intact. Right. No bruising. But it had been two weeks. No tearing. Mm. I'm just. Yeah, I can see your point The other there. one with the rectal and stuff. No tearing, no oh, bruising, no that nothing. that would have been, okay. Nothing. The bruising probably would have been gone by then, but there they should have, there should have been evidence of tearing. And that's what the gram stain is for? Uh-huh. It's a dye, and it's supposed to show? Laceration? Yes. Oh. It was negative. Oh. So, yeah, even the one that, if the, whoever tried to attempt, the one who still had her hymen intact, the one that 
even if he tried to attempt, even though he didn't get it in all the way to break her hymen, I mean, she still should have had lacerations from whoever did this to them trying to, oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know what to think. Hold on. In my comments I'm making, I don't want anybody to take it as no, no, no. I, like again. shaming or anything. I'm, right. I'm thinking out loud. Right. Exactly. So, obviously, he's wanting a new trial. He's got this well, new evidence, yeah, and he's he like, I want a new trial. He's trying to get parole and all the stuff like this, and his parole was denied in the, the 1990-whatever that for was filmed. What, for what? what uh, they... What? Immediately, as soon as he walked out to do their little deliberation and stuff, I mean, as soon as he walked out, mm-hmm. oh, he's guilty. Oh, yeah, he's guilty. What? On camera. On camera. And, and oh, yeah, I, I, if I had 20 years, I'd come up with something, too, and blah, 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 and oh all this. God. And then all of a sudden, they saw the camera and was like, oh, no. They forgot they were on camera. Fucking idiots. Oh, my Fuck. God. And then he, they bring him back in, and they say, we're just going to have to deny your parole at this time. On what grounds? Yeah. Uh, you can appeal through the United States courts, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but, but how long does that take? Yeah, okay. So he would he would ask for years to get a retrial. Yeah. I mean, he's got this evidence and all this other stuff and all this. Finally, in January... Of 2021, he gets a trial set. 2021? 2021. Wow. Okay. Here we go. We're getting ready. Comes January. Trial is postponed. Why? No explanations given. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you can only think it's COVID. And it probably is. And... I mean, I want to think that by now there's new blood in that town, you know, the corrupt ones yeah. that just fucked up his case from the get-go yeah. because, obviously, y- uh, you know. Okay, so, sorry. That's okay. It's all right. This is going to blow your mind. He it gets, it keeps getting postponed, keeps getting postponed. On Monday, February the 14th, 2022. What? This happened Monday. Avoyles Parish Judge William Bennett granted a new trial, a monumental legal feat. District Attorney Charlie Riddle dismissed the charges against <gasps> Simmons with the consent of the women, Sharon and Karen Sanders. What? This happened Monday. What? And for them to consent? They consented now. I will, to- t- I will say... They still say that he's guilty, but and he then they that he has to live with that. But so was he given an Alfred plea? No, no. He what happened is the judge said he is granted a new trial, and the prosecution said the district attorney said we're not going to try it. <gasps> what? We're not going to prosecute because they knew with all that evidence. They knew. That it would not fly. Now, the prosecutor does say, or the DA, he does say, look, I don't want to put these girls through this again. I don't want to, you know, taxpayer money and all that stuff to do this all again. We're just not going to try the case. He walked out yesterday. What? A free man out of Angola. Wow. Wednesday, on February the 16th, Wednesday of 2022, he walked out of Angola. What? 
Yep. Wow. That's why I had to get this case out there. So please tell me they didn't put no any type of clause where he no, couldn't come back and he sue. He is a free man. No, where he couldn't come back and sue. Oh, I don't for, know about that. I don't know. <sighs> Nothing has come out about the documents that he had to right. sign or anything, you know. Nothing's come out about that. I mean, this is this just happened right this week. Wow. So I don't know. That is That's crazy. I mean, obviously that's awesome for him. But he sh never should have been in that situation anyways. No, you're right. I mean, look, if his defense attorney would have gotten these documents, mm -hmm. whether it was the defense attorney that did not pursue them or they right. were given to them, I don't know. I'm kind of, yeah, because I'm kind of on the fence about I that. I too. Because obviously the defense attorney wasn't actually participating in the trial anyways. So I, I'm kind of like, he, hell, he probably didn't ask for it anyways. I don't know. Because look at the the leading and the right. how long it took him I to know. say objection. And, right. You know, uh, you know so I don't, I don't know. Um, but 40, what is that? 40. Well, that was before 40, I was born. Yeah, it was 40-something years. Wow. That he's been in prison, and he just walked out of Angola. That is crazy. Isn't it? That's insane. That's why I had to get this out. I saw it on Monday. I saw the news. I saw it come across the news on Monday, and I was like, holy cow. Right. Then I started looking back through the story. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, this is, I got to get this out there. I mean, look, whether he did it or not, he did 40-something years. Mm -hmm. His charges that he was convicted of were attempted aggravated rape, which almost 50 years in Angola, of mm -hmm. all prisons, he might as well have been doing that at Rikers in right. New York, you know? But in Angola, hard labor for 40-something years. Right. I wonder if he did any of, any of the uh, prison rodeos, because that's where they do them. Right, right. I mean, that's a big deal. And it is a big deal. And ben, you know, there's been prisoners that died doing that. Ooh. But anyway, I'm just... I was floored mm -hmm. that this man did 40-something years for attempted aggravated rape. Mm -hmm. And then you got one of the victims with a, an, an intact hymen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that if he was represented in the way that he should have been represented, the prosecution would have had a very difficult time right. prosecuting him. Right. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have gotten it. I'm saying they would have had a well, an extremely say, difficult time. The jury, I mean, it was not a fair jury at all. I mean, it was no. what eleven white men. Yeah, it was so, eleven white men and yeah. one black woman. It's, I mean, I feel sorry for the black woman. I know. I mean, I mean, they picked that jury because they knew they would get a conviction. Right. Yeah. So. So look. I mean, he was he was screwed from the start. Yeah. But yeah, so that is the story. Again, this is not about murder. It's not about mass murder. This is about true crime. And nothing is as true as something that happened this week. Right. So, there you go. That's the story of Vincent wow. Simmons. Wow. Here in, in, the, in the close to our area in uh, Marksville, mm -hmm. Louisiana. He did find God, and he does thank God about this. And, right. And he did say that he, he does not hate 
the girls. He he forgives them. They say that they don't uh, they don't hate him. That uh, he has to live with what he did. That's their words. Right. But the girls say they're never going to forget what they what he did to them. So I'm going to say, go live your life the best way that you can. That's right. You've been given a gift from God, mm-hmm. and you need to go and enjoy your life, mm-hmm. and and try to have a family, and move on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Do travel. what you can. Yeah. Travel. Get out there. See the world. That's right. You know. Vincent Simmons. Everybody. Wow. I, know. I mean, that's all I can really say is wow. I know. Because I mean, I listening to all it. this, and I had to tell a story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my opinion. I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it either. I think the girls went through something. I think that they did. I mean, obviously, I do think that they went through something. Yep. Something yep. did happen. I think to something them. tragic, tragic happened to them. And but uh, I don't think I, it was him. And and we're not lawyers were not judges and we absolutely as the bible states we do not judge that is for god right if if he did it then he will have to answer to god if he didn't he's out he's walking the streets and i'm sorry that you lost 40 something years of your life I, i feel real bad for you if you were if you are innocent so i'll say that yeah well we've got a lot of catching up to do I've got one I've got to edit for you. I've got yes. to get it uploaded. I've got one I've got to get it done. And uh, part two of the one that I was working on, and I'm not going to say the name, and I almost did. So, <laughs> And I'm already ready to record part two of my one that right? you haven't uploaded yet. Yeah. But that's so, another one that's yep. going to have, I mean, I guess this is the week that we're just like, you know, what's going on in Louisiana yeah. and with, you know, the justice system. I know. So, so, yeah. Look, whether you think he's guilty or think he's innocent, the that's only up thing, to you. That's up to you, okay? We're not going to tell you what you need to think. That's right. But, so we don't have one of those snazzy endings <laughs> All right. that we usually do. Cause I think we it's because we're both... cannot put it together. That, because, we're both hungry. Look, this is not one of those that are just sick and twisted i mean yeah the acts that were described yes right. they're sick and twisted but this one had a ha- had somewhat of a happy ending it did you know and yep. so i don't see a whole lot of criminally disturbed vibes no in this one. maybe the prosecution was kind of criminally disturbed for leading the witnesses let's just go with that there if you Want to be a prosecutor. And you start to lead your witness the way that this prosecution did, maybe you are criminally disturbed. That's right. Damn it. Till the next time, then. (laughs) We will see you and talk to you next time. In our closet. That's right. Bye for now. Bye.